Just a quick word about uh, Geneva. My name's Al Stewart, one of the guys uh, involved in the start-up of this. In early 2009, Andrew Heard, Mikey Lynch uh, and Nicky, but uh, Andrew, Mikey Lynch uh, and myself went uh, to Seattle to have a look at an Acts 29 boot camp. And uh, the Americans are very generous to us and uh, we learned lots from watching what they did in terms of this uh, church planting network. Uh, we came home determined that we needed to actually start something that would be Australian and would understand our culture and so on uh, for Australians and for Kiwis as they wanted to use it. Um, we know you're here, guys. We love you. Uh, we came back, really, we had kind of no nothing um, but some enthusiasm uh, and uh, prayer, which uh, means we didn't have, we had lots. Uh, we had one lady who had offered to be a patron and to give money. And I remember ringing Mark Hadley, uh, who's our media guy, and saying to Mark, mate, we've scraped together enough money to pay, we think, two days a week for you. Would you be interested? Mark's full-time job had just disappeared. He was trying to raise money to feed his family and work five days a week. And he said, well, if I could find three other days a week, which seems a tall order, I'd be interested. Uh, within three days, the other three, three days a week had popped up and bang, Mark started work for us. Uh, the first in the shoot was held in December 2009 at Collaroy. Were you there? Anyone? Okay. Uh, we had 60-odd people, um, Scott and Kim Parry-Jones doing a huge amount of work and so on. Uh, that, was, uh, that was a great time. Not long after that, 2010, uh, a, good, a good friend and very generous patron rang me and said, would you have time to you know, come and see me about something? Uh, I did. And long story short, he offered to cover a full-time salary for someone who could be, well, we decided to call them the general manager. Scott Sanders uh, was uh, as a Sydney Missionary Bible College graduate, uh, was working as a school chaplain and so on. Uh, I'd known Scott for a while, very capable man. I rang him and said, Scott, um, what are your plans for the rest of your life? How would you like to win Australia for Jesus? <laughs> uh, and uh, here he is. He's been uh, with us ever since. Now that's, uh, and then Nicoly joined us uh, and, and so on, and, and we're going. Now, that's been possible through the generosity, particularly of two patrons who have come on and still supporting us, and now there's many other uh, patrons who've, who've joined us as well, and the amounts that they're able to give vary from a great deal to not so much, but it's all generosity. Let me just quickly try and explain, and then Mikey and Andrew are going to say something as well. Let me just very quickly explain to you how, what's the idea behind Geneva? How do you explain Geneva in an elevator ride? Um, as long as you're going to the 30th floor, here we go. Uh, let me take you through the Geneva loop. All right. Okay, what are we on about? First of all, we're on about recruiting people to, do, uh, to be church planters. Uh, not recruiting them to any particular denomination or whatever, but to be a focal point that will call together people who are interested. And not just people who could plant, but kind of the whole food chain, if you like, people from senior pastors who could help sponsor it, uh, so, uh, people who could be in core teams, patrons, uh, and so on. So to recruit people and then to assess people, and some of you have been through that uh, in these few days, um, it's, there's, a, there's a lot involved, but it actually yields a lot. To see if people are gifted and ready uh, to plant churches. And I mean, we interview couples and we'll only do those interviews uh, with couples if you're married because it's so important that you're doing that as a team. Uh, for those that we think should proceed, um, there's coaching available. We've talked about coaching and the, and the huge difference that that makes to, uh, uh, to the planters as they start. And then nurturing is basically helping the, the, the church planters themselves to feel the love. 
to build a peer network. And I tell you, it's great for an old guy to see the young guys who've been in Geneva for a little while actually kind of relate together and look after each other. That's fantastic. And as well as that, we run the Geneva Refresh. Uh, we take couples to a, a really nice motel, give them kind of a, a romantic night together in the motel, some input about marriage, nice picnic, all sorts of stuff. It's not a hard sell um, to get them there and so on. Just, we just want them to feel the love. And then broadcasting is actually putting the vision out there uh, that we need to... See, people say, why do, why do we need to start planting churches? Wrong question. The question is, why did we ever stop? Every church in Australia began as a church plant. We just forget that because we built them out of bricks or, God forgive us, sandstone. Okay? And we've got to keep doing it. And that's the idea. How do we spread resources and that sense of urgency and gospel passion and so on? And we do that through any means that we can. All right. And what does that lead to? Very quickly, gospel ecosystem, as you can see, we've got the church planter uh, being coached and God willing that evangelizes into existence, into existence churches that will plant other churches that will provide more church planters and as our church planters mature, they can take on coaching roles and so on and the ecosystem goes on. Let me hand to Mikey now. That's why we do it, the claps. <laughs> Churches, can we get that last slide? It's not uh, the coach that plants the church, and it's not Geneva that plants the church, but it's churches that plant churches. We, we really strongly believe that. Perhaps you might say, in some situations, it's the individual or the team that plants churches, but it's not Geneva that plants churches. And we try to be careful at talking too much about a Geneva planter. Geneva assesses planters, but it's from a range of churches, denominations, in a whole range of cities and, and country centres, that they're the ones that are planting the churches. Geneva is a service, an assessment coaching service, that slide can go, uh, that, that assists churches to plant churches. That's what Geneva's about. And we're not really aiming to be the only ones who are doing it. Depending on where you are in Australia, we're a Trojan horse for someone. Outside of Sydney, we're a Trojan horse for Sydney Anglicans. Inside of Sydney, we're a Trojan horse for FIEC. Elsewhere, we're a, Tro we're a Trojan horse for so many people that I think all of Christianity is inside one massive horse. <laughs> so it's nothing to worry about. We're, we're not particularly... We don't have any other agenda apart from wanting to see gospel churches planted in a great and increasing number around the country. That's our agenda. And we know that over the last few decades, by God's kindness, there have been amazing pockets of just that thing happening. And really, Geneva is the gang of people from those pockets in a range of cities, regions and denominations saying, perhaps we could do this quicker and better all together. And so it's really pooling the resources of a range of people and a lot of people going, whew. I know from Tasmania, where I come from, uh, I'm told I have a Tasmanian accent. It comes out in the word cheese, apparently. <laughs> uh, I, I know for us, we work mainly amongst Presbyterians and the Christian Reformed churches there. And when Geneva came into existence, we were all going, yes, because we were lousy at the assessing thing. It's just too hard. When, when you're, everyone's your cousin or your brother or your cousin brother. It, <laughs> it's very hard. Um, uh, it's very hard. And, and, and we look annoyed when you make those jokes because we've never heard them before. And, <laughs> And we're really offended by them. It's not that... that you know, anyway. Um, when you know someone so closely, it's hard to give the objecti objective assessment, you know? Um, and so it's great for these pockets to have some more objective assessment. And if you've had a hard assessment, 
out of Geneva, uh, even this this week. Uh, Can I say, it's an act of love for an assessor to say to you, this is not the way you should serve God, there might be another way. You might be grieving now, but it's actually an act of love. And we have definitely felt that love. Uh, in, in Tassie, I really appreciate that. I know many have. And so I really just wanted to say that to be behind Geneva and to support Geneva is to be involved in a truly gospel ecumenical endeavour. You are giving not simply to your church or your denomination or your region or your city, but you're giving to multiple denominations around this country. Now, where are you, Andrew? That's right. I want to tell you a story, and uh, I don't know if it'll be as good as John's, but I want to tell you a story about what happened uh, some hundred, couple of hundred years ago in England that impacted us, and I want to suggest should stir us on to have a much greater impact across this country. In the early 1700s in England, uh, God raised up a small group of men, uh, George Whitfield, the Wesley brothers, brought them to Christ, wonderfully converted and so on, and then sent them out to break out from the institutionalised church at that time and begin preaching the gospel in the fields. And there was an extraordinary movement of the Spirit of God as the gospel was preached and tens of thousands of people were converted. And there was an extraordinary revival across what we call now the United Kingdom but also into America, the States there, Jonathan Edwards and so on. There's an incredible movement of God. It was wonderful. How does that relate to Australia? It relates to Australia because uh, a group some decades later than that, uh, converted and impacted by that ministry, began to form together and they formed together in a group that they called the Eclectic Club. And uh, there was people like um, Wilberforce and Newton, Newton of uh, the great hymn. And these men began to gather and think about ministry and more broadly and so on. At that same time, a young man was brought to be the Prime Minister of England, William, uh, William, the, uh, Pitt, William Pitt the Younger. He was brought to be the, um, he was 24 or some extraordinary age. He was brought to be the Prime Minister of England in 1783, I think. <laughs> Anyone got me wrong on that one? 1783. And now, can you start to see how this might begin to affect Australia? Because Captain Cook has discovered Australia, or uh, um, Europeans have discovered Australia in 1770. And then in 1788, due to areas for us of the circumstances around the world and the politics situation there, they decided to turn Australia into a penal colony. Um, and uh, uh, unbeknownst, that was a great blessing to the people who were sent out here, of course. But uh, they decided to ship people out to Australia. 1788, the first fleet comes. And because of this eclectic group, among whom some knew uh, William Pitt, they were beginning to think, how can we propagate the gospel in this new country? And so they found and searched for a young man with a heart for the cause of the gospel who was evangelical, reformed evangelical, captured by himself uh, the things of Christ and being one to the gospel of grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. They found this man and they, through their friends and contacts with Pitt, suggested to him that he ought to come out with the first fleet as its chaplain. And so Richard Johnson is chosen to be the man who sails out with the first fleet. And I think he ends up on the boat that my street that my house is on is named after. I think it's the Scarborough. Scarborough comes out or it's the Golden Grove, one of those. But he comes out on this ship, arrives in Australia in 1788 in January 26th. I think it's actually the 
18th, but the 26th is when they um, first kind of land on uh, where we are here. But anyway, somewhere around there, we're Australians, we don't care about dates. But, <laughs> but uh, it's just a holiday. It, um, <laughs> he comes, and let me tell you, for some 12, 15, 16 years, uh, not an extraordinary man by any means, history tells us, but a faithful, godly, committed to the cause of Christ man, he labours under immense opposition and pressure. The governor wanted him just to be a man of morals and help the convict settlement be safe. And so he wants him to preach morality. Johnson wants to save souls. And so against the pressures of the institutionalised groups at that time, he preached the Lord Jesus. He made his own church out of his own hands, his own building, because they refused. Eventually the first governor leaves and there's a, the rum corpse situation begins to arise. And in that context, there's in, in, even greater pressure against him. Everyone's taught to despise and reject. And so no one gives him any money. He has to build it out of his own funds by his own hands. And yet he faithfully continues to preach the gospel and plants the gospel in our country goes back a broken man uh, and ends up in ministry uh, back in England. But by his hand under God, we now have a country that has the evangelical faith, grace alone, Christ alone, faith alone, scripture alone, planted in our country. Here we are 200 years later. Now, that, that is an extraordinary outcome from one man under God by and enabled by him strengthened to stand to keep preaching. And he has established the work that we bear the great fruit of. Now I want us to think what we might do under God if we were to think smaller and bigger. Let me see if I can suggest this. If we were to think smaller. Imagine if we thought like that eclectic club and Richard Johnson, and think about planting the gospel in the region you're in. They thought about the country. You just think about the particular region, in, plant the gospel there, establish a gospel-centred fellowship of God's people that will commit itself to reaching that small region. Imagine what might happen if you don't just think about the next two years, three years, five years, ten years, but think about the next 50 years of gospel impact there. Plant the gospel and what God might do amongst it, yes? Think bigger now. If we can raise up hundreds of young men and women who will do that in regions all over the country and back into our major cities where the gospel is being squeezed out into the hard parts, if we can do that, imagine what God might do in the next 50, 100 years across our whole country. Friends, that's what Geneva's for, to cast that vision again and energise us to see what God has done, what God has promised he will keep doing, and to see what he might do by his hand through us in each place that we're in, together mobilising to impact this whole country, which we trust then sends the gospel back out to the world. Um, friends, we want to urge you to be part of that with us, uh, to find some place in all of that with what God has given you. It might be you're the planter, it might be you're the supporter, the patron, and we need, though, therefore, in all of that to raise some money. And part of what we're talking about tonight is that 
we might invite you to consider whether you can give some funds to this cause. Um, what God might do amongst us. Now, to do that, there's a number of places you need to inject your funds into actually seed funding church plants particularly. We want to keep seeing that happen. But there's also another place, and that is funding into a centre to facilitate all of that work that has been happening for the last few years that could go on happening even better and further and faster if we help it. So we would like to ask you tonight, there's a sheet on your tears, uh, if you want to grab that, we want to actually invite you tonight to consider how you might give something regularly to the work of that centre point of Geneva that will facilitate the spinning out of resourcing, assessing, coaching, facilitating church plants around the country. Um, give to church plants, each individual one, but please, if you might, consider giving to the centre as well. A lot of this is only possible because we free up people to give the resource and energy to make it happen like we are. Um, so I want to encourage you to do that. Be prayerful about it. Uh, we'd love it if we can continue to raise funds. We need to think about multiplying this work and keeping it going for some decades to come. That's all I can think about just at the moment. Let's think about that at least uh, to keep pushing it forward. Look at what's happened already in three years. I think, what, how many churches have we seen planted in the last three years? Scott, where are you? 26? How many do we expect to see planted by the end of next year? Did you get those numbers? In the first three years, uh, Geneva has supported the planting in various denominations of 26 churches. By the end of 2013, we anticipate that we will have supported together in various denominations the planting of 50 churches in total. That's in four years' time. Now, we desperately need thousands of churches across the country, more. Uh, there's a lot of work to do, and we want to actually enlist your support in doing that task. Yeah. How about I finish? I've got nothing else to say. Stuart, where are you? Don't leave me hanging, brother. We wouldn't want to leave you hanging, uh, Andrew. Um, that's... Uh, that's a big vision which I hope you're personally committed to in a whole bunch of levels. Um, certainly financially is very important. How about we pray that God would uh, prosper this work, that he would provide um, patrons who will be inspired, who would feel blessed to support it, and that we consider not just that maybe they're sitting a couple of rows away, but it might be us as well. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the wonderful way in which uh, you have raised uh, the banner of Jesus in our country. Uh, we thank you for uh, that eclectic club. We thank you for their vision and their passion. Uh, we thank you, Father, for a man who's willing to hop on a boat and go to the ends of the earth, uh, who speaks clearly about Jesus against all opposition. Uh, we thank you, Father, for his great heritage that we enjoy even today. Father, we thank you for those who have uh, potted and schemed and planned under your hand uh, to see Geneva be a network that would establish thousands of churches across Australia. Father, I pray that you would expand our hearts, that you would lift our eyes to believe in this vision, that we would trust, Father, that you have a plan uh, in your mercy to save many across Australia. And so, Father, we pray that you would raise up gospel patrons uh, full of joy and commitment and faith uh, to fund this ministry. Pray for those of us who are planning churches that we would think how we might be able to feed back into this network that's been so helpful for us. And we pray too, Father, that uh, you would provide all that's needed, 
Thank you for Scott and Nicolie and all those who uh, you've set aside for this work. And Father, we pray that you would grow it in Jesus' name. Amen.